Hello everyone, welcome to our March podcast on procrastination. My name is Alex, I'm a senior behavioral science analyst at HRW, part of our in-house team of behavioral science, HRW Shift, and today with me I've got Ollie. Hi Ollie. Hi Alex, thanks for having me on here. I'm also a behavioral science analyst and part of the Shift team here at HRW. Nice to have you. Let's talk a bit about procrastination. What is actually procrastination? Is this pattern of behavior, this delay of tasks? What have you procrastinated about before, Ollie? <laughs> well, other than this podcast, which we originally planned to do many weeks ago and have delayed, delayed a few times. For me, probably getting a new phone is a good example. So I intended to get a new phone for a long time. The screen had cracked. It would only recognize wireless chargers, so I couldn't plug the charger in. It would only work with wireless headphones. And I kept losing the chargers and losing headphones. And after nine months, eventually the screen stopped working as well. And it was only at that point, actually, I've put this off too long. Um, <laughs> I need to get a new phone. And so I've had one and it's so good. I love it. I <laughs> wish I hadn't put this off for so long, but I did. You were forced to do it in the end. Eventually, um, yeah. An example I can think of for me is cancelling a wine subscription. I had, I just tried it a couple of times and I didn't want to continue with it because, well, I kept accumulating bottles that I never drank. But in order to cancel, you couldn't just log into your account and click a cancellation button. You had to call them. And that, for me, creates a high level of logistical friction. I actually have to call someone to cancel something. I did it in the end, but I did, yeah, I did postpone it quite a lot. We have a saying in uh, in Romania, it roughly translates to don't postpone what you're doing today until tomorrow. I wrote this and I put on a big piece of paper and I taped it next to my desk at home. So I look at it sometimes <laughs> I just to that. remind myself. What, how does the saying go in Romanian? Nu pe mâine ce poți face azi. I love it. It's great. And I think um, it's so funny. Uh, like if I had to pick between having a broken mobile phone or excess wine, I think I know which one to go with. <laughs> I still have the wine. I still haven't drank it. I cancelled the Amazing. subscription months ago. <laughs> In my master's research, I looked at procrastination. People shared similar phrases to what you've said. So, um, for instance, in Spanish, mañana, mañana, or Greek, avrio, avrio, both meaning tomorrow, tomorrow, just put it off to tomorrow, uh, which perhaps is, yeah, a little bit more enabling than the Romanian version. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just realised there's also another version so we have this one that says don't postpone until tomorrow what you can do today but also don't postpone until tomorrow what you can do today postpone is for the day after tomorrow because it will solve itself so that's a bit of an extra <laughs> level of procrastination nice we see this delaying in healthcare to both for patients and for acps and of course we'll share examples of this throughout today's podcast in what situations we might delay finding out or getting a diagnosis or starting treatment, seeing the doctor and so on. But let's think a bit about some factors that might be a play with procrastination. Sure. So I guess according to, I've been reading on this and according to psychologists like Saroy and Paykel or Burke and Yuan, you can find and you can think of procrastination as a failure of emotional or mood regulation over time. What that means is we delay or avoid tasks which are they're complex, unfamiliar or undesirable as we associate these with experiencing negative emotions like fear, a failure or boredom. Instead, we prioritize tasks we associate with short term positive emotion, perhaps more achievable tasks or more pleasurable ones. Sometimes even the act of delaying brings us relief from worry by a positive feeling of control. 
So in, in the short term, it can feel good to say, no, you know, I just can't do it right now. I'll do it another time. But of course, when we think about it, this can be illogical when we know we're likely to feel worse in the long term as we keep delaying, which is why psychologists explain procrastination as a fault in how we regulate our mood and our emotions. So I'd like you to guess uh, what these three stats have in common. Ooh, again. They relate to procrastination. So 40% of homeowners, two thirds of parents with children under 18 at home, and 70% of unmarried couples who live together. So these are the proportions of adults in the UK who don't have a will in place. And so my master's research was using Combi and TDF, two really useful behavior change frameworks to understand the barriers and drivers that contribute to such low levels of will writing, particularly in these key groups in the UK. Before we go on, let's just be on the same page as to what a will is. It's also known as the last will and testament, and it's a legal document in the UK, and I hope in other places as well. By writing a will, you ensure that after you die, your assets and possessions go to the people and organizations you intend, for example, family members, charities. And if you have children under 18, it can also help to ensure that the right people look after the children. Do we see any documents in healthcare there that can be similar to a will? Yeah, sure. So a really similar one would be an, an advanced care directive. So this document ensures that HCPs and next of kin and patients all are aware of your wishes around refusing treatment if you're unable to make or communicate those decisions yourself, such as if you're going through a treatment where there's a risk you might fall into a coma. Just like there's challenges in healthcare, getting uptake of these documents, and there's also low uptake of wills in, in many groups across society as well. So what did you find in your research on wills? Well, so I ran qualitative interviews with British adults in their 40s and 50s. Um, I analysed the results via tools developed by the Centre for Behaviour Change at UCL, which is where I did my master's. I picked people in their 40s and 50s as less than half actually have a will. But the odds are uh, that around one in 14 of us won't make it through our 40s and 50s into our 60s, which is a scary thought. So people shared many different barriers to writing a will. Three common ones that we saw that we want to avoid thinking about our mortality. We want to avoid our actions harming others. And we want to avoid what we see as a non-urgent and dull admin task. So three pretty big hurdles. Let's look at the first one. So avoiding to think about our mortality. What's behind that? Well, talking about death can feel uncomfortable and is uncomfortable. Many of us would prefer to avoid thinking about not being around. Because despite death being an inevitable and normal part of living, in many societies there's still a stigma attached to speaking about death, which can contribute to this discomfort. Yeah, definitely. And the people I spoke to, they avoided this discomfort by focusing on sort of optimistic and positive thoughts for the future. For example, one participant shared with me, I'm in good health. I don't do any dangerous sports. A will just isn't relevant to me right now, which is an example of optimism bias. And the reason why is, well, if I asked you to do a skydive with me, but told you that one in 14 people wouldn't actually make it through to the end, you'd think I had it in for you. You'd think that I was asking you to do something really unrealistic and pretty dangerous. But we don't apply that same logic to just living our life, living through our 40s and 50s. So added together, these different factors, they tend to lead us to simply avoiding writing our will at all. This is called the ostrich effect, where we, we bury our heads 
rather than uh, confront negative thoughts and emotions. Yeah, and we see the ostrich effect in healthcare too. For example, patients who may have a genetic illness, they could pass down to others, sometimes delay finding out because the results could confront them with decisions about whether to have biological children or look at other options instead. So it can be a quite an unsettling thought. And we have uh, written a blog post on this ostrich effect, which you're welcome to check out at our website. So that's the first group of barriers. Second, I found people would avoid their actions harming others. And what contributed to that avoidance? Well, it's natural that if we start thinking about life after we're gone, we'll start thinking about how that could impact our loved ones. And of course, what that means, we should put in our will to protect. But as we're aging and our lives are changing, there's a tension between what we want now and what we will want in the future. So to cope, rather than making a mistake by writing a will now that could be wrong and could negatively impact others if our wishes changed in the future, some respondents took control by simply delaying writing a will at all. And so this is often called omission bias, where we lean towards allowing harm caused by our own inaction over harm caused by our direct actions. I spoke with, with parents, with unmarried couples, with homeowners, even people who'd had near, like, near-death experiences. And all of them had struggled to get started because they didn't want to take an action and get it wrong. We see omission bias in healthcare too. To give an example, in a study we worked on, HCPs were focused on the potential harms of them prescribing a new highly efficacious treatment that they were not confident or familiar with, more so than the harms of them leaving a patient on ineffective treatment, so not prescribing this. They were even focused on the potential harms of them prescribing that less familiar treatment compared to the benefits based on scientific data. We see omission bias in healthcare too. To give an example from a study we worked on, ACPs were focused on the potential harm that could arise from them prescribing a new treatment that they were not confident or familiar with, even though that treatment could have also been highly efficacious. So they were focused on that rather than focusing on the harms of them leaving a patient on ineffective treatment. With omission bias, people need to feel like they're not acting alone. The responsibility is not all on them. To an extent that doing nothing is the real harm, for example, in this case, not changing to a better treatment is the real harm, and that others around them are taking the same decisions, are making the leap with a new treatment, and are seeing benefits too. So it's not just all about the negative. Exactly. And that's the second theme that we saw in the research. The last theme was people avoiding what they saw as a non-urgent or dull admin task. When you think of a will, what comes to mind for you? Old age preparedness, not the best feeling, to be fair. Yeah, that's not surprising. So for one participant I spoke to, what came to her mind was an elderly lady laying in bed, handwriting her will at the last possible moment, handshaking as she wrote, perhaps even needing to dictate her wishes, with Agatha Christie downstairs, ready to investigate the cause of their untimely death. Um, It sounds a little bit extreme, Um, But we all tend to think of death as something fantastical or far off and unlikely, which comes back to optimism bias. But it's because it'd be really hard to go to work or (laughs) record a podcast like this otherwise. Uh, And so, of course, it, it doesn't feel like something urgent often until it is. So I spoke with people who'd faced neither of those first two barriers. People who were comfortable thinking about their own mortality, they weren't worried about whether their actions would harm others, but they had still intended to write a will for over 20 years. They started time and again, but they'd kept delaying. For them, it was because the benefits seemed so far off or even non-existent. 
But in part, it was actually because they associated wills with this old-fashioned legal process with printing and signing something. And hence, it had gone into that probably a bit of a hassle bucket in their head. And they would focus on something else more rewarding. So this would be the logistical friction, uh, this practical obstacle that can stand in our way, which is a big thing for me. This is This logistical friction is why I didn't change my wine subscription for a while. Exactly. And why sometimes people might put off recording a podcast. All of this comes together in something we call present bias, our tendency to prefer immediate rewards, whether relief, a thrill, a laugh over future, even larger payoffs. As one participant said, I'd just rather watch TV than write my will. We, we see present bias a lot in healthcare. For example, if you think of certain conditions, physicians and patients might want symptomatic relief. So often they want that immediate relief from conditions, you know, make it feel better, make it stop. But even when this can contribute to longer term issues or this can contribute to just you know, results in the short term rather than long term results. For example, this could be prescribing antibiotics for tonsillitis when most infections clear up by themselves. And then patients stopping the treatment prematurely once the symptoms have gone. This can all lead to antibiotic resistance. Or it can be things like just wanted to get rid of the pain. If we feel pain, if we have an itch, if we have a dry eyes, for example, we might want something that you know calms that itch or takes a bit of the pain away rather than maybe something that actually gets to the bottom and targets the actual condition underneath that's causing that pain or causing that itch and so on. But the good thing is that we can do things to overcome procrastination. So let's look now at what. Based on evidence from the behavioral science literature, it's important to focus on the positives. So if you're looking to get something done that you've been putting off, like writing your will, or if you're promoting something that could be scary, like test or treatment in the healthcare setting. Firstly, instead of focusing on fears around illness, death, impact on loved ones, focus on that warm, fuzzy feeling we'll get knowing it's all sorted, it's all dealt with, how we'll make our loved ones feel knowing it's sorted, and just peace of mind all around. Absolutely. And, and second, instead of focusing on all the possible different steps and options and that complexity, focus instead on that simple and painless first step. With wills, that might mean simply just filling out a callback form on a provider's website. In healthcare, rather than getting someone to focus on all the complex steps that you might need to go through if they have a certain condition, if we just focus instead on that first screening and getting people to that and how simple that is. Exactly. Focus on, you know, fill in this questionnaire or from the doctor set up an appointment anything that gets you or you know, the other person into the process just one step at a time and lastly instead of associating a task with the future build up the benefits of doing it now so why do i get if i do it now caroline webb a leadership coach and author recommends planning to make yourself a warm tea sit in from your favorite chair and to get off your list with wills there are actually extra incentives out there too so codes for instance you can use to get a free one and as caroline weber said setting aside some time is really helpful an artificial deadline helps you to commit to completing it by a certain time yeah so just dialing up that accountability a little bit so here with yourself right i have to do it by this deadline or you can even grab a friend and you know go do your wills together exactly another helpful way is just to tell someone that you're going to do it so create that accountability with you and your plan by telling someone else yeah. Um, with wills, uh, interestingly enough, a really great time to make make the most of this is March, which is, as we're recording this, is Free Wills Month, when oh. literally hundreds of thousands of people make use of this every year to get their free will. Great. Yeah. Have you got a will? <laughs> I do have a will, yeah. Nice. For my research, I decided I probably should have one if I'm going to start asking people about the barriers to getting a will. So that was my helpful deadline was before my first interview, making sure everything was in order. That's great motivation. Well, thank you so much. Um...
for sharing your thoughts with us and uh, for the nice chat. Yeah, for the audience, perhaps have a thing to see when you might procrastinating and what you might be able to do to reduce that procrastination. If you'd like to share your thoughts with us, we should be very welcomed. Please feel free to email us at shifthrwhealthcare.com or on Twitter where we are at hrwshift. Goodbye for now. Thanks for having me here today, Alex.